With the second half of the season among us, the All-Star Game right behind us, it's time to cover all things Warriors. What up, Dub Nation, to another episode of the Catch and Dubs podcast. We're your host, I'm Ethan, and I am joined by my duo, my Splash Bro, and my co-host, Zach. My guy, I mean, a lot has happened since we came onto the podcast. So, I mean, the Super Bowl happened, um, your guy, Stafford. Uh, he won. So, like, how are you feeling about that? Like, you must be overjoyed right now because of a former Lion finally getting to the promised land. So, how do you feel about that? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm overjoyed right now because of that certain event as it was eight days ago. But I'm happy for the guy. He went and did something that Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders couldn't do. Um... And don't, I'm not going to start the Hall of Fame debate because I think that is outrageous to start at less than 48 hours after you won a Super Bowl. Um, but I think he's a deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer right now, but I think he could get in. Um, but it's good for Matthew Stafford, good for the Rams. Um. Makes the Lions look bad, but hey, it's okay. Lions, <laughs> Lions are trending in the right direction. We're making the playoffs next year, bro. So, all that matters. I keep the receipts right here. Episode 76, uh, Zach said it here first. Too. Yeah, uh, I'm manifesting it too. Detroit needs, needs a W at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, getting straight into it. Um, before the All-Star break, I feel like the Warriors were just kind of running on fumes, and they really needed this break. And it showed in the last two games before – the all-star break against the Clippers and the Nuggets. Um, we can just touch it shortly on this, but the Clippers game, um, it was pretty efficient night for Steph. He like 35, I think at 27 in the first half, just kind of seemed to cool down in the second half. Thanks to uh, Steve Kerr and his rotations and all that. Um, we kind of save that for another discussion later on, but I feel like this um, whole past few games before the all-star break was just kind of the defense not being there. Uh, we saw layup lines in the basket, opening threes. So I'm like, this isn't the defense we haven't seen um, at the beginning of the season. Granted, Draymond Green's not there. So obviously the defense is going to take a hit. But I feel like it was very disappointing to see easy shots uh, for the opposing team. So, I mean, what do you think about that whole Clippers and Nuggets games? I feel like it was just kind of like a disappointing. Um, but, it, I mean – the record is what it is, and we should be happy about that. So, uh, any thoughts game, about it? Uh, one, a pitiful and disgusting performance. Granted, how the Clippers were without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, that first game in October, I think it was, home opener, I'm pretty damn sure, where Steph put up like, it was, I don't know, was it 50? Put up some. It was something like high 40 or something. Yeah. Well, the Clippers did have Paul George, and that game was relatively close. Um, you compared the two, um, and one, I mean, S- Steph had, what was it, 20-something points in the first half, and then the offense went dormant. Um, but I think the thing that stood out to me with the Nuggets game is how surprisingly well they handled Nikola Jokic in the first half, where 
And it's just all credit to Kevin Looney, man. <laughs> Those Kevon hips, Looney. man. Those hips. Loon Dog can he can he can handle some of the big men in this league. And Nicole Jokic, who's defending MVP, um, she was kept in check in the first half. And then the second half, it was, I think it was a bad Steve Kerr coaching performance from the fact that at, in the last possession, one, they didn't foul out three, which Steve doesn't do in the first place. So I don't know why. I don't understand was, why. I don't, I don't understand know. the logic behind that. I don't know but why. But they were up to. Yeah, They're up know, too, though. I don't know why Warriors fans expect him to do that, but um, and then I think the Warriors didn't deserve to win that game because of their fourth, their second half performance. Um, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, it was bad defense. Um, and I think when you analyze that last possession where Monte Morris hit that game winning three, there was. I just didn't see there to be a reason to double Jokic in that situation when you leave a guy wide open behind the arc. Yeah, I mean, because Jokic's tendency is if you're going to double him, he's going to pass it out to the open guy. And that he did, and uh, credit to Jokic for that. I mean, um, you can't really blame Steph on that because, like, he was already down low when that happened. And the pass to Monte Morris was just happened to be open for him. So... Um, it is what it is. It was a close game. Uh, Steph would have had the game winner if Monte Morris did not um, hit down that three. Um, Monte like, Morris, man. Monte Morris <laughs> lights out. It's either him or Will Barton that goes off against the Warriors for some reason. But you just have to give credit to the Joker in that situation of being such an unselfish superstar to give yeah. the ball, take the ball out of your hands. And give it to and putting trust in your teammate it reminds me just like we'll get in, obviously we'll be talking about Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals in both 1990, I think five or six, I don't remember. Were the 1996 one where he got ball out of his hand, 1997, some he won too many championships, I can't remember. 1997, where he got the ball out of his hands and passed to Steve Kerr to win the game, and then 1990 multiple times in the first three years where he was unselfish with the ball, hit John Paxson to win those two championships against the Suns and Lakers. It's just, I think it is a very good trait for a superstar to have to be unselfish like that. And I think Nikola Jokic is personally why I think he's a likable superstar with him and Giannis. I mean, Jokic is the best playmaking big in the league. I mean, there's no questions behind it. And he showed that in that last play. So um, credit to uh, the Nuggets for ha- having that gutsy win against the Warriors, especially on uh, at Chase Center, where I, I don't know what their record is at Chase Center, but it's pretty damn, damn good for the Warriors. I think they lost like five times, I think. Not actually sure about that. But moving ahead, I think this all-star break was much needed for the Warriors, allowed them to unwind and get, I guess, relaxed from, like, the whole chaos of the NBA. Um, rising stars, I mean, Jonathan Kaminga was a last-minute substitute um, for this whole rising star event. But, like, um, yeah, for Chris Duarte. And um, I've kind of seemed like JK was kind of disinterested, which is understandable. Um, he didn't – he was didn't just really the last like – format, if we're being honest. I thought the tournament style was cool. But I like the Team World versus Team USA better. Like, it's just one big pickup game. I kind of That's like true. That. That's true. 
I kind of like that a little bit. They're more. trying something new. They're trying something new. Um, um, but that those are just my thoughts on it. Thought I would give some uh, feedback for Adam Silver. Yeah, uh, it was a good. It was a interesting event. I like the the new ideas they're trying to pull. Um, but there's some kinks to work out. And um, for Kaminga, it was um, just kind of like a uh, a kudos to say, oh, you're doing well. You're going to give you a replacement spot for you. So. Um, but yeah, um, also Saturday, I feel like the quality of it has gone down dramatically every single year. Um, yeah. I, the three, do you agree with that? I mean, I feel like. I do. I think the only thing that I like about All-Star Saturday Night now is the three-point contest. It's the only thing that interests me. Because um, the skills challenge was like. The skills a, challenge was. Was like a cluster. I didn't bunch really of challenges. I didn't really it understand was, what was going on. I kind of liked the race thing that they had before where it was a big versus a guard and they raced by guard. yeah that was i, I think that was before. better i, I thought that was better. was better um and then dunk contest was just it was like nfl pro bowl unwatchable honestly it was just bad <laughs> um i thought i thought shout out to jta i thought he was the only one who realistically did well it just seemed like he was prepared he, I don't think he may have taken besides his last dunk where the Jay Rich uh, one it, that was kind of hard or couldn't put it down. He made his dunks on one to two attempts on like Jalen Green. Man had at least five to ten attempts. I just, I'd rather see something else now. I think it's time for something new because I think the dunk contest of previous years like 2016 between Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine are. Long got spoiled with that we got spoiled with that because like exactly those dunks like that's so hard to replicate and it's between two nba players so i mean um i know uh it's a volunteer thing and i know that they're like superstars like jaw zion i don't think zach's gonna uh zach levine's gonna say yes again aaron gordon's probably not gonna say yes because of the whole uh, getting robbed back in 2020, I think it was that year. Um, but it's just, it's gotten to a point where it's so stale. And I feel like it's so hard to be creative with these dunks because you've seen it every single time on YouTube. Granted, some of these dunks are pretty hard, but it's just, I've seen it on YouTube. So can't really see some king of the court type thing, to be honest, to replace it. See, that's the problem, though, because if you do a King of the Hill, it's just going to create all these different takes, like, oh, my God, uh, Kyrie v. KD or something. Is Kyrie the better scorer than KD? Something like who that. So, a, who gives a damn, honestly? <laughs> that's just people on Twitter expressing their opinions, which... That's I mean, true. Everyone's allowed to do, but... Just kind of deal with it. Also, for the three-point contest, I did call that Car Anthony Towns uh, was going to win. You could... I said this before the thing, right? I I, I said, Carl Anthony yeah. Towns is going to win. Yeah, I I don't know why. It's just, um, but obviously it's not the same with Steph and Clay. But it was probably the best thing of the night, like you said earlier. So, um, uh, probably should have put that last now instead of the dunk contest, so that we won't get disappointed. I do feel bad though for um for those who paid for Saturday night. I don't know what the, how much tickets were, but I feel bad for you guys. Because I feel like you guys are robbed. I see you smiling. <laughs> it, it just wasn't a very good, entertaining night, honestly. I, like, in previous years, I look forward to that. But last year was just – or 
last or Saturday night was just not entertaining. I didn't find it entertaining. Just a three-point contest don't doesn't feel the same without Steph, Clay. But what can you do, man? Yeah. Do? Um, I mean, and the All-Star game rose around, and I feel like the NBA 75 was a great tribute to the past and present generations. Um, we saw Michael Jordan come in last minute at the, at the ceremony thing. That was great to see. Um, we could have this little discussion about some people um, not being on that NBA 75 and people who are on that NBA 75. I still, who... think, I still think the list is invalid because Clay and Draymond are not on that list. And guys like Damian Lillard and Anthony Davis are. Um, Russell Westbrook, I think, even though he hasn't played well this year, I think he is deserving to be on that list. He has yeah, because he has that triple-double yeah, thing. He has an MVP and he has the triple-double record. That's impressive by its own uh, standard. But right when the list came out, we had that de- we had that debate on that episode. I don't know what episode. Oh, yeah. I, I remember that it too. At, but it... it was at the beginning of the year. But I still don't think with comparing accolades – Anthony Davis is anywhere. Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard are anywhere close to Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Clay Thompson and Draymond Green were both on a record-setting seventy-three and nine team that unfortunately did not win a championship, but they also won a championship with Steph in twenty fifteen. And then when Clay Katie joined the Warriors, they won in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. And Clay Thompson is a top ten top five in some people's conversation shooter of all time. And Draymond Green is probably one of the most unique players in this decade and has a defensive player of the year. There's also guys like Dwight Howard, Grant Hill, who I think should be in over Damian Lillard, Anthony Dave. Viewpoint, uh, my opinion on the subject. Um, When the NBA 100 list comes out in 2047, I'll still be alive. I'll be 46. Catching those podcasts. Can still be we're we're going to be old, brother. <laughs> um, I think Clay and Draymond will get into onto the NBA 100 list. Um, and I think guys like Grant Hill, um, Dwight Howard will also get onto that list as well. But I think, I think overall, this ceremony was pretty cool to see guys like Steph, LeBron, CP3, as much as I just like Chris Paul, um, D Wade. All That's some great like, moments. A lot honest, of great moments. Um, sharing the floor with greats like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Shaq. Yeah, all of them. MJ, uh, Dominic Wilkins, Isaiah Thomas. Shout out the bad boys. Um, all of them. It was a pretty cool sight to see. I was surprised. I was surprised. But MJ and Isaiah Thomas were both there as they still have that beef from 1991 now. It's like 30 years of beef. Like it's time, it's kind of time to squash the beef at this point. Exactly. And Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson were best friends and they had that beef after they played in the finals and they squashed that a couple of years ago, man. It's time to squash the beef. Um, but I thought it was cool that um, MJ showed up because. In the morning on Twitter, I see on the NASCAR's Twitter account that <laughs> MJ is at the Daytona 500. Like, damn, MJ enjoying his time at the Daytona 500 probably has some NASCAR parlays he's trying to cash in on. Um, and then he, sh- I-, I don't think a lot of people expected him to show up, but I think he showed up. He's probably tuning into the TNT broadcast. 
and he sees in the team Durant locker room, he's got Joel Embiid, Devin Booker, I think Trey Young playing cards, and there's a bunch of $100 bills in the middle of the table. <laughs> and he sees that, and he probably hops on his PJ from Daytona, all the way to Cleveland, gets there, gets the jacket, walks into the room. Because w- before the game, when they're having the pictures thing, I did not see him in that room. So, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. He shows up in line, and then when he's in line, he's busy stroking Steph's head. I mean, that was probably the weirdest thing I saw the night. Um, the funniest one was Carl Anthony Towns going up to him, and like he literally did not know him. He was like, kind of give the the what the you know what the bleep you know um, face. So um, that was hilarious and uh, funny at the same time. There's also a bunch of memes yeah. on on Twitter, so um, go check that out on Twitter if you're on Twitter or on Instagram if you want to check out those those memes but um the all-star game um Steph was ridiculous the man he really he really got MVP in Cleveland when they were booing him all weekend poetic baby I know he had 16 threes so technically if they counted the all-star game as a regular NBA uh game which it really isn't because there's no defense being played what a broken clay's record but 16 threes, 50 points, first guy to win the Kobe Bryant All-Star MVP trophy, and the first guy, first NBA player to win the skills competition, where he won that when he was a youngster, three-point competition, and All-Star MVP. So Steph's in a... Just adding adding to the resume. He's in a realm of his own, baby. That was a fun. I really love how they added the target score at the end. And that's, that's something that that's the, the best. That's the so best that's thing. A, that's something that the NBA did well is the, adding the target score because it makes it, it. They actually play defense down the stretch now in the fourth quarter. So, like, what to gets fun. to like like five to ten points within the target score, you can see the intensity built up and like defense been played. There's actual plays being run, probably simple pick and rolls. But like um at the end you saw LeBron hit that game winner. I was like, that was that was so fun to watch. Um instead yeah. of like the whole free throw stuff that we saw in 2020 where it ended off free throw, I think they should end it off like a walk off shot. Like so that it's uh, much better like that. I really, I re- was really wishing that Steph was going to hit that final shot, but LeBron was on his team. So I knew that wouldn't be happening, but I was actually surprised to see how, oh, this is going to start up some drama or something, but. Uh, Let's go. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. How, how, uh, uh, hesitating. LeBron and Steph were just, they should team up. That's all I'm saying. At the end of LeBron's career, I know Joe Lake of all about the future. He should draft Barani James. So LeBron gets to come to the Bay and gets to play with Steph and play and Draymond at the end of their careers with Bronny and Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole. That would be an unreal, an unreal pairing. LeBron and Steph. At the end of their careers. I know it's bad. You wouldn't dream. You wouldn't think of that happening. I mean, we wouldn't think of wild situations happening, like the whole KD situation. No one would have even thought of him going to the Warriors, and it happens. Uh, so, I mean, anything can happen at this point. I mean, LeBron and Steph, I mean, 
I know they they had their rivalries and all that, but but it seems like it seems like from it's not beef played, though. It's not beef though. In the NBA Finals, it seemed like that from my standpoint that they never get along, etc. But it just seems like they get along and they it's respect with both of them, which I feel like going all the way back to 2015, 16, 17, 18. It just seemed like that they would never get along because they played so many NBA finals against each other. But when you have respect towards another player of that caliber, it's real. Yeah, that's why so- you gotta appreciate the greatness. You gotta yeah. appreciate the greatness. You can have your you can have your own goat if that's LeBron or MJ or even Steph. <laughs> that may be me, but you know, okay. <laughs> uh just gotta appreciate the greatness, baby. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like we take it for granted. Um, we saw what M has done for the league. We've seen what LeBron does. We've seen what Steph does. KD does. Um, they're gonna be retiring in like five years, um, and that's gonna be kind of sad to see because they're the ones that we grew up with, and their impact on the game has been so substantial. So um, it's up to the future generations to carry forward, and I think. Um, the league is in good hands. So um, I do want to see the, the LeBron nice. and Steph duo. I think it'll be an unreal duo. Like you have LeBron who's like uh, best, really good playmaker. We're like not really good. He's like one of the best playmakers, athletic stuff. Yeah. If you can pair a shooter and a guy who can put pressure on the rim like that, it's like a match made in heaven. So <laughs> it's fine. Be- Giannis, Kendra Warriors, but he's loyal and he got it. And he got the job done. Got the NBA championship. Got yeah. respected. Giannis is probably one of the most likable superstars out there. You can't really hate on him, right? Like, exactly. there's just I, nothing. Exactly. And it's the same thing for Steph. I honestly, after last night, it really made me think that I don't understand how there are so many people out there who hate on Steph, man. He's just... He's just a genuine guy. Man. He With scoring 50 points last night, he raised 108K for kids in the city of Cleveland. I'm not sure the exact information. And that same city of Cleveland was booing him all weekend. How can you hate on that, man? That's just, that's just, being, that's just being a genuine class act man. And that's who, who Steph is. That's the same and, thing with LeBron too. I mean, exactly. outside the game, LeBron has been a role model. He hasn't gotten to any controversies. Like he's exactly. helped. He's helped a lot of people. Which is why I have some regrets with Hayden on LeBron throughout the years where the Cavs and Warriors are duking on the NBA Finals. I think it's more of the fans. It's just the LeBron stands that just kind of push all the agenda stuff. I know Steph fans are like that too, but like got to put that aside. Um, Just come together, appreciate, appreciate greatness and watch it unfold like that. Exactly. All right. The greatness. Yeah. Um, speaking of greatness, I mean, Warriors could be on track for some greatness. Second and half, yeah, second half. Yeah. So, I mean, Warriors have 23 games left, and I think there's six and a half games behind Phoenix for the first seed. Um, that won't be happening. I mean, I know. Interesting that Chris Paul is out for six to eight weeks, though. That's basically. That's a very interesting. The rest of the regular season. 
I like to point that out. I'm not trying to criticize the Suns, and I know last year was slander in the Suns. Don't like the Suns, um, but I think they've gone a little bit too hard in regular season. What I mean by that is that you look at the 73-9 Warriors. They went all the way for the record, crushing teams, etc. Then you could tell in the postseason they're a little bit gassed. And I think pushing and a perfect example of that is that last week, I think Devin Booker played 40 plus minutes against the damn Houston Rockets. The Rockets Same are with bottom, Bridges. The, yeah, the Rockets are a bottom five team in the NBA. Like, I just, you shouldn't be, if you're, stri- if you're pushing for a championship, which the Suns are, because they have that level of talent on their team, they should not be playing their players 40 plus minutes against bottom five teams in the NBA. I agree with that. Um, said. I agree with that. I mean, we've seen it happen before. I mean, like you said, with the Warriors, they ran out of gas towards the end and it led to injuries. Um, the Steph injury, uh, the MCL and the ankle. Um, we saw Looney. No, not Looney. Sorry. Uh, Bogut get injured. Um, but yeah, I feel like those injuries were a result because of the overplay for that record. So, I mean, the, the Suns are not even nowhere close to that record. So, I mean, they shouldn't um, even chase, like, <laughs> chase wins, which is funny because um, <laughs> he doesn't chase wins. <laughs> but, I mean, they're the Suns are in a great spot. And I, I think even without Chris Paul, they still hold on to the one seed because um, they have a great lead. They have a good lead over the Warriors. And I think I mean, the one seed is locked up, if we're being honest. Yeah, I, I agree with you, too. I, I mean, I don't think the Warriors could do enough to make up that ground, um, even if they go, like, something ridiculous, like 18-5, which is yeah, highly and unlikely. And I seriously think with the Warriors' strength to schedule through the rest of the year, I think they could seriously maybe drop down to the three seed, if we're being honest. I think the Grizzlies, we look at the conference standings right now, the Grizzlies are only a game and a half behind the Warriors. Um, when you look at the Grizzlies' schedule, uh, it's a lot more favorable schedule than the Warriors have. Uh, they play quite a bit of bottom teams in both the Eastern and Western Conference. Well, if you look at the Warriors' schedule in March, oh, it's heavy. It's <laughs> it's really it, it's really top heavy. Tough. It's tough. Um, so, I mean, we can go in through game by game. We play the Trailblazers right back, so that should be a win. So that would put them at 1-0 and through 23 games. At home against the Mavs, um, I'd say that's a win. Give them 2-0. and Then on the road against the Timberwolves, and Timberwolves are playing team currently. Um, I feel like the Timberwolves can get hot uh, after the All-Star break. Um, I said 3-0. Give them that. Okay. Uh, in Dallas... Um, that's probably a loss, for being honest. I feel like we should just kind of stick, stay like on record, like what do we think after twenty three games? Because like I feel like all these games are just very variable. Exactly. Um, so if we're going to give a record prediction through twenty three, granted Draymond coming back in three to four weeks. I would James say March. Wise, James Wiseman coming back in three to four weeks. If both Draymond and James Wiseman come back with maybe two weeks less of the year, I'd say probably 15 and 8. 
I was thinking like that um, because if we looked at past history for Steve Kerr teams after the All-Star break, um, the win percentages are pretty high, um, yeah. except, for, except for the year where they were tanking. But those years were they were in contention. Um, the All-Star break was really good for the Warriors. Um, it was usually like Just, over yeah. a 60%, like a 0.60 win percentage. So like um, I think the Warriors are going to step it up another gear. And just looking at their schedule, I do not see them winning more than 18 games. Yeah, that's really tough. There are some there are some games where they will have to face the problem of uh, lack of size against a Nuggets team. Nuggets against the Nuggets twice, um, playing the Bucks and Giannis, playing the Suns. Um, yeah playing the heat yeah. who have bam and um etc great defense on that on, on that uh, heat team over there and playing the jazz etc uh so i say probably realistically if you looked at it with draymond coming back and james wiseman coming back with games to play i think 15 and 8 is a realistic uh second half record i'll go 14 and 9 um so 15 and 8 would put them at 57 and 25 and that's really good and that's really good which is really good compared to last year's record of 39 and 33 where the warriors were a mediocre team and granted too if we're talking 57 and 25 that record would be like that without clay for like half a year and without draymond for also a half a year too so you have to take that into consideration how and now it would probably put them i would say that probably keeps them at a second seed it's either Um, second or third seed honestly and if they get stuck with a second seed um probably place a playing team Um, i don't see the lakers getting out of the playing tournament but i think if the lakers were to play um, I think that realistically, you could see the Lakers winning both playing games and playing as a seven seed and playing the Warriors in the first round. I'd like to see that. No, I don't. I don't think they could. They would have to be if they were like play two playing. They would have to play the Suns because they would be the eight seed. And... Oh, the eight seed. So they would. So if they were the seven or eight seed, they'd only have to win one game. My bad. Yeah, you're good. Um, but uh, I know we're thinking ahead. But like, do you think it's better to be the second seed or the third seed? Granted, with the Clippers uh, being in that play-in position um, because of – Realistically, I think it's better to be a second seed because the third seed right now, um, you're either playing – from what it's looking like, you're probably going to either play the Mavs or the Nuggets. How's Jamal Murray looking? Because he had that ACL injury. I just just don't feel comfortable playing a first-round series with Nikola Jokic with – only Kevon Looney and an inexperienced young player in James Wiseman coming back from injury and having no other big on your roster besides fucking Nemanja Bielitska and Draymond coming back from his back injury and having to deal with Jokic as well. Um, I'd rather play a – it's hard to describe the Lakers but in one word, but I'd rather play a Lakers or – Clippers or Timberwolves or Portland. I don't think Portland will win a spot in the playing tournament, but I think if we're looking at it from where it stands right now, I think 
the Clippers and Lakers will probably be winners. I think you have to take tournament, but I seriously think that the Clippers will be a tough team in the first round. Granted, if Kawhi and Paul George both come back, that's going to be a really tough series. Um, Norman the Lakers not out for the year, so I mean that hurts them, but. They still have a lot of wing size on that team, and that's scary. You saw, you saw how the Warriors played against the Clippers last Monday and wasn't pretty, so. Yeah. Uh, for the Lakers, I mean, without Anthony Davis for a month. He doesn't, yeah. That's going to be really that tough for them. look good. Yeah, it's not going to – it's not looking bright right now. Um, I don't want to be mean, but, like, um, it's – Opinions on the subject. It might I be re- it might be really hard to even push for that six seed, honestly, because I don't think they'll get the six. Seed. I think they'll be a playing team again. Yeah, and I mean, if they I, even get out of the plan, they're either playing the Suns, Grizzlies, or Warriors. So, yeah, uh, that's not. I, I that's think not looking Warriors, good. The Warriors can take care of the Lakers. I think they can take care of the Timberwolves in a first round series. It's all about matchups. It's really about matchups. They can take care of the Blazers, but I think if they got a series with the Clippers, that'd probably be the worst matchup. I I would think so too, because the Clippers have Ty Lue and you can play around with the matchups. And and ever since 2018, Ty Lue, even even though Steve Kerr and the Warriors swept the Cavs in 2018, Ty Lue has outcoached Steve Kerr every single damn time. And I'm, it's no debate for that. I agree with that. And, and I'm, Steve Kerr was outcoached on Wednesday night against Mike, uh, uh, with Michael Malone and the Hackalunis and uh, forcing Kevon Looney. Oh man, yeah, he was out. He was outcoached in back to back nights, and which is why I said that Steve Kerr was a bad coaching game both nights for him. Um, yeah, I think the worst matchup would be the Clippers. Um, favorable. And there's a lot of high expectations for Steve Curry. He was named the top 50 coach of all time. So, yeah, has to should, live up to it. He has got to live up to the hype, man. And Steve but I mean, Curry. I'm I'm pretty optimistic with the Warriors season. Um, I, it's it's a championship aspiration season for them, and I think obviously luck kind of has to go your way with the matchups uh, later on. But I think if they can execute, if they can. If we can see Steph on like the last year, I mean, I think they'll be set. Um, especially with Clay coming back, I mean, we know what to expect from Clay, we know what to expect from Draymond, and we know what to expect from Steph. So we have to trust in that trio and hope everything will fall into place. Exactly. Exactly. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That'll do it for episode number 76 of the Catching Dubs podcast. Uh, make sure you uh, check us out on Instagram at Catching Dubs Pod and on Twitter at Dubs Pod and on TikTok at Catching Dubs Pod. And uh, catch you in the next one. Yes, sir.